Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. Now, as per usual, if you're listening to me on a podcast, either on iTunes or on Spotify, really super encourage you to get across to my website, iloverealestate.tv and check out the charts because I'm going to show a lot of data and uh, this is all for the purpose of making you more intelligent as an investor and therefore making more intelligent decisions and therefore making a lot more money at the end of it. So that's what the purpose of these uh, weekly updates are. So let me get into this week's report. Okay, if you think the property market is hot right now, wait until you see this. I have some really cool stuff to show you about what's happening in the property market and you really need to take heed because it's not over. And, uh, you know, the longer you leave it, the more you're going to miss out on what's actually happening in the market. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm a, I'm a FOMO-phobic, but I'm telling you, that's just the way it is right now. Let's also, oh, where have we gone here? Let's also get into uh, whether the lockdowns will actually, oh, getting out of lockdowns is actually going to save the economy. And I've got some hard data to share with you on what's happening around the world. I want to talk about how the media got totally head faked <laughs> with the jobs data and why uh, we can all take a big chill pill. So a bit on that as well. I'm also going to be talking to you about uh, the property market for 2022. Um, and one thing everybody gets wrong about the property sales data and I want to show you why that means it's actually going to be the hottest market ever. So let's get into the actual content. All right. Getting out of lockdown is the key to saving the economy. Now, for many of you that are in the southern states, particularly in Victoria and uh, in New South Wales, this is probably what it looks like. You know, you're coming out of a tunnel. Well, some of you are coming out, some of you are still stuck in that tunnel. Now, that is affecting consumer confidence. Obviously, as we came out of 2020, 2020 put a big shockwave right through everything. And this chart really shows you very, very clearly what a lockdown does to confidence. I want to talk more about confidence in a minute. So that was the, that was COVID, boop, that's what happened there. Then uh, we kind of resumed out of that, we're not all going to die. Then we had the second wave of lockdowns, particularly for Victoria. And then we've been going up ever since from a, from a confidence perspective. Now, this is, the, this is the third lockdown, if you like. Now, I know Victorians are probably screaming at me going, oh my God, no, we've had six, or we've had eight, or we've had whatever. I get that. But the major lockdowns, the long ones are what affect the... Um, what affect the economy the most. So, so this confidence here is, um, it, it looks bad on the chart. Let me just tell you, it looks bad, but it's actually not that bad because if you look at the middle line here, this is normal. So, you know, generally we're a pes pessimistic bunch and we're not very confident about anything. As you can see by the chart, this goes back to 2005. And you can see a great percentage of the time we spend below the line. Now, we are above the line. We've, we've been up at very heady heights, but we're still well and truly above the line from a confidence perspective. Now, that's consumers. And remember, consumer spending makes the whole thing go round because we buy more stuff, which creates more jobs, which creates more money to buy more stuff, to create more jobs, to buy more stuff, et cetera, et cetera. 
business is important. Now, these figures came out during the week from Westpac. And uh, Westpac, as you can see, we're, we're coming into, uh, into August here. So the, the August figures are now out. September figures, obviously, not out yet. Uh, but the August figures are out. And business confidence is really mirroring what's happening with uh, consumer confidence. This long lockdown, particularly for New South Wales, which is our largest economy. Now, Victorians are going to scream at me again because, you know, they think they are, but they're actually not. They're very, very close, second. But when you shut down both our two big industries uh, for, for broad uh, manufacturing, well, it has a big impact. WA is obviously mining and mining-centric. Um, and a lot of people uh, who used to do fly in, fly out out of New South Wales and Victoria aren't anymore. You know, they've actually set up base in, um, in Perth, at least temporarily, in order to be able to keep their jobs and continue to work and all of those things. So it's causing hardships right around the country. So um, business confidence is down because a lot in the, um, the hospitality industry, the tourism industry for the southern states, they're hurting and they're hurting big time. Um, and, you know, there's no easy fix to this. When we start talking about property, though, well, it's a totally different story. And I want you to, when, we, when you listen to this, I really want you to distinguish between the two because what you would think is happening in property isn't actually happening. You know, what we see here in business is not translated into what we're seeing in the property market. Uh, this is the um, this is just from a, a confidence again we're looking at you know confidence is still pretty high uh, we're still above the we're still above the median line basically so that's just another chart that says basically the same thing this is interesting because this shows it more on an international basis so it is to be expected when you get out of restrictions when they are lifted now whether you link that to vaccines or not that's up to you but when you get out of lockdown, the economy um, starts to regenerate. It starts to increase. The, the country gets back to being more profitable and confidence returns. And once we have that confidence returning, then we get back to, uh, you know, really springboarding into a, into a lot of things. So on this chart here, you can see this is Australia. These are other countries that have already opened up. And as they open up, they become more and more confident in their economy and their manufacturing starts to kick into gear and all of those things start to start to work. To be expected, really. Let's have a look at the next thing. Now let's talk about jobs and how jobs data fake, uh, head faked the media. Head faked the media. <laughs> Don't you love that one? What does that mean? All right. What it means is that the unemployment rate, which is being widely reported as being right down here at 4.5, is fantastic, yay! But it doesn't tell the full story, because what it doesn't tell is the um, is the participation rate within employment. So you see here, this is how the uh, the employment rate would have continued to grow along expected lines without COVID. We had COVID, we had a massive drop, and we've been slowly clawing that back. This second lot of lockdown. Uh, which goes into the August figures there, starts to show a little bit more of the actual trend because these second lot of lockdowns really are having some effect. So the two things you need to take into account, 
are the average hours being worked. So even though somebody is still employed, their hours might be cut back. And that's what the employment figures don't show. They show, hey, we've got an unemployment rate of 4.5%, which is incredibly low. And it is, and that's fantastic. But it's what it's not showing is the participation rate, which is this, how many hours are they actually working of their normal week, et cetera. And you can see here, there's a massive drop off there. Um, and the participation rate, again, same thing. What we're showing is the massive drop off in, uh, in those that are actually you know, in the employment queues because a lot of them are saying, well, look, hey, I'm living at home on my, what, 700 bucks a week or whatever it is. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not in the queue. So I'm not in the unemployment figures. So uh, hours and not being in the unemployment figures is what is really distorting these, these things. Now, that, uh, that's one thing. The next side of this, this coin is the, um, how many jobs are actually being advertised for. So you can see here, this is all posting. So the blue line there is, is where we have uh, you know, the, the amount of jobs being, being advertised. And you can see how this goes back to May 2020 when things were, oh my God, we're all going to die. Um, and slowly, slowly we've picked up. We had a second lockdown there in Victoria, which is very easy to see. Then we've picked up, picked up, picked up, picked up, leveled off. So this lot of lockdowns that we're seeing in New South Wales and Victoria have leveled the leveled off the job ads. They haven't been dropping off though, but they've stayed about the same. And then the new postings, which has started to decline. So those that are that are advertising for new new jobs um, have started to to drop off, but not not hugely. We're still well and truly above the about above the baseline there. So um, you know pre-COVID, pre-everything. Um, we're still above that. So that's a good thing. It, it's, it's a little bit of a, a double-sided coin, if you like. And job ads just below the 12-year average. So you can see here, there's your 12-year there's your high. We're only just below that right now. So things are still pretty good. Even though they're not being reported correctly, um, things are still pretty good. And remember, you've got to have jobs for people to have money for them to be able to spend on rents and houses and consumables and all those other things. That's why this is important. And, and even though, look, I'm talking about property and I want to talk about where the property market's going and all of those things, it's super important that you understand these underlying factors because it gives you an indication of what might happen in the future. And when we, we get an indication of what's likely to happen in the future, then we can start to make decisions around where am I going to place my decisions? You know, should I be in low-end properties? Should I be in medium properties? Should I be in high-end properties? Should I be looking at, at uh, properties that are multiple doors? So I've got, I've got um, properties that will rent out even if someone lives there on the dole. You know, and these are the decisions that you need to, to, to be making. Um, I was listening to somebody the other day ask a question about, Oh, I've got this negatively geared investment property. What should I do with it? And uh, my mate who was actually answering the question said, well, you're not going to like the answer because there's plenty of things that you can do and you can get out there and you can, you can buy positive cash flow properties and you buy a different type of property and whatever else. You've clearly made a wrong decision in the past. That's why you're stuck with a property in the position that you're in. Sell it and buy something that suits your portfolio. Now, she wanted, a, she wanted a magic wand. She wanted a magic wand to say, oh, darling, everything's going to be all right. It's not. There are some hard decisions to make. And that is why you need to get yourself 
as educated as you possibly can. So even if you have made mistakes in the past, we can rectify them. You know, there are things that you can do. It's not going to be a magic wand, but there are things that you can do to completely turn your lifestyle around. And that's what you want. You know, you want to be able to live the lifestyle that you want, wherever you want, whenever you want, on the money that you want. And in order to do that, you've got to start making some really intelligent decisions, especially now. Now, let's move on to government money flows into the household war chest. We've never been richer. <laughs> We've never had more money in our pockets. You know, all that government money slushing around and, and uh, being handed out left, right and fist, both from a state level and a federal level, what it means is that we are, we are uh, spending less and we are saving more. Where's that money going? It's going into lifestyle. It's going into a better house. It's going into a holiday house. It's going into an investment property. It's going into a new car, which is why the wait list on most cars is like six months. It's incredible. So all of these things are, you know, that's where the money is going instead of overseas holidays and the like. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's actually not a bad thing. It keeps the money in the country. So CBA came out during the week and they looked at the income tracker. So even though if you're in lockdown, you're probably not feeling the best at the moment, but uh, the, the fact is that most people are maintaining their income levels um, and uh, whether they're, you know, you're getting the extra bonuses from the government or whether you're in a government job or something like that that, you know, isn't affected or you're able to, to easily work from home, incomes are still relatively high. And you can see that here. You can see, you know, the you know the the government support and the wages have kept the income really higher than we were for most of the early part of the year, and certainly through 2020. Uh, as lockdowns continue, government support increases. So you can see here. This is September. This is when the lockdown started in New South Wales, and then quickly fled to uh, Victoria. And again, you can see how the government spending really stepped up there. Um, uh, as it did back 2020 when we had the first round of, of uh, COVID and everything else that was happening. So state by state, that's what it looks, looks like. Um, New South Wales is spending the most amount of money, then Victoria, a little bit in Queensland. Um, South Australia has actually gone down, WA non-existent uh, and Tassie non-existent pretty much too. So, uh, you know, government spending in Victoria and New South Wales is really where it's at and that is what is maintaining those income levels. Now, at the same time, when you're in a state of flux, the normal reaction for human reaction is to pull back and stop spending. So that is really highlighted here in this chart because it shows income versus spending. The blue line is uh, disposable income and the red line there is, um, is household spending. And you can see there how the lockdowns have, have affected again. Um, uh, yeah, there's internet sales and there's all of those things, but, but all of the, the other things that you'd normally spend money on because you're out and about uh, are not being spent. So there is, a, there is still a distinct saving happening. And that's what this chart shows very, very dramatically, as you can see. Once COVID started, this is what's happened. Our savings line has gone up. We are paying down credit cards. We are, uh, you know, putting it into assets. We are uh, paying off our mortgages. We are putting it into term deposits and buying shares and buying properties and doing all of these things because that's what, um, that's what that savings indicator, indicator shows. So very dramatic 
figures. We are wealthier now than we have been for years, years and years. Uh, the Financial Review came out with a, uh, an article calculating just how much money is sitting in personal savings accounts and, and wealth right now. And their estimate is $200 billion in Australia. $200 billion we as individuals are sitting on at our disposal. What on earth does that mean? It's pretty clear what it means. There is going to be more and more money going into properties, whether it's upgrading, whether it is that holiday house, whether it is the, uh, you know, the, the investment property somewhere. We are, we are being, doing the sensible thing. Most people are doing it without education, I might add, so they're probably buying the wrong type of property. A lot of people are buying stuff sight unseen, which scares the living daylights out of me because you know they're locked up somewhere and they go, oh, I've done the virtual tour, I've done the Google Earth, yeah, let's just buy it or we're going to miss out. And it is that attitude that is further forcing up the pricing. Um, so, you know, it's a trend that's going to continue, which is why you need to get educated as fast as you possibly can. And that's why I've set aside those slots. I have, I have my advisors standing by for real estate breakthrough sessions. You can sit down, we well, can sit down wherever you are, they're virtual, um, talk to the advisor about what we do. And we're about education. We're about teaching you what to do, what to get into, how to identify good markets, how to identify what your portfolio needs next and how we can help you in that endeavour. We don't sell properties, it's not what we do, but we will teach you what you need to do. There's a lot of rubbish out there in the marketplace and now is not the time to be making mistakes. So I really super encourage you to take up one of those advisory sessions. They're free and they're 60 minutes long. All you have to do is to go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and you can you can jump on and grab one of those um, those uh, breakthrough sessions. Now the next thing I want to talk about here is one plus one equals doesn't always equal two. Guess what? It doesn't always equal two and that's coming from an accountant. <laughs> what everyone gets wrong about sales data. What do they get wrong? Okay well the first thing is property turnover has hit the highest levels in 12 years. Not something you'd expect. However, as a percentage of household stock, it has just turned returned to normal because listings remain very, very low and this shortage is pushing prices higher. That's what's really going on. Now, you can see that as you start to have a look at some of these charts. So this is the annual number of dwelling sales. And you can see here, look, you know, these are the sales going through. But what this picture doesn't show is what's actually being listed for sale. Because think about it, this is how many, this is how many sales go through every year. So we're doing the same amount of sales, but it's, but it's as, a, as, a, as a percentage of those properties being listed, it's almost 100%. Almost 100% of everything that gets listed gets sold. Whereas, go back you know, 2001, we'll say, same amount of properties roughly being sold, but it was, it, you know, it might only be half the properties that got listed got sold. Massive, massive difference. And this chart here is not, is not the, the story that we need to understand 
because it doesn't take into account demand and supply. This chart is also a bit misleading because what this chart shows, and this is again the one that you get shown on the television and mainstream media and all that kind of stuff, you know, the percentage change, let me go to year on year. Okay, so from a year ago, a year ago, um, prices have, have gone up, um, sorry, these are annual home sales. So we've gone up dramatically over the, you know, over the last 12 months. But 12 months ago, what were we doing? We're in the middle of COVID. Victoria was in lockdown again, you know. So yeah, they're up, but they're up on low figures. The 10-year average is the annual uh, sales and then you've got the 20 years and then the percentage change over 10 years, the percentage change over 20 years. These are more ordinary. These figures here where New South Wales, 38.9%, Victoria, 34%, Queensland, 54%, um, uh, South Australia, 38%, Western Australia, 62%. Uh, Tasmania, 10%, Northern Territory, 58%, ACT, 27%. You know, that's a massive increase in sales in how much is actually selling in all of those areas. But it's from a very low base. So year-on-year -year figures are very distorted right now because year-on-year -year figures show a very, very low base when we were right in the crux of COVID and everything was horrible. Um, we should be doing a two-year because that takes us back to 2019 and this time 2019 everything was rosy. Nobody even knew about COVID. They're the figures we should be looking at and comparing directly to, not these 12-month figures which are being propagated around the place. So that's the annual turnover, very similar to what I said before. The, um, the monthly total sales listing trend is down. This is the true story here we aren't listing as many as we normally do. We might be selling as many, but that's because everything that gets listed gets sold. The amount of listings has gone down since 2016. You can see that trend, down, 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 down. People just aren't turning over their stocks. They're, you know, the, the stock as in, as in their properties. Um, there's not a lot of forced sales because interest rates are so low. You know, there's a lot of factors in behind here as to why this is happening. And particularly now, because everybody's, you know, scared out of their brains with all of the, the hype and the media about vax or no vax and, and uh, opening up and shutting down and locking up and, and you know, international travel and bubbles and whatever else. There's a, there's a huge amount of confusion. So everyone's just sitting back and going, oh, I'm just going to stay here for now. I'll just save my money. And that's what the figures are showing. And consequently, demand is massively, massively, massively oversupply, which pushes prices up. So this is a percentage change again of new listings and total listings and they're all down across the board if you look at, uh, you know, where we are a few years ago. This is new listings. It, this is actually, show, this is not a bad chart because what it shows here is that each of the colours represents a year and you can see the years down here. I'll put it on the big screen. Um, the dark blue one here at the bottom is where we were at. So this is total listings. And this is what I was saying. With the rolling 28 days, you can see there our listings are much lower than the listings in previous years, the total listings. Uh, new listings also lower, um, but uh, the total listings is really the one that you need to be looking at there. And that's a, that's a market change there. And the thing is, we're not the only country experiencing this. You know, what's happened with the world and the reset and everything else, 
property prices across the world are resetting. Now, I'll put this on the big screen because I know it's hard to read, but I've taken the top 20 countries by percentage increase in property pricing. So in the last 12 months, which is his first column, Turkey is the highest there at 29.2%, followed by New Zealand at 259 then the United States and Slovakia, both on 18 um, Sweden and Luxembourg on 17%, then it comes Australia and Canada sitting there at a 16% increase. And it goes right down the top 20, ending with Portugal at 8%. So, you know, that's, we're not the only one going through this. And you can see what the figures are for six months and, uh, and three months. Now, had you taken this chart back oh, six months ago, what you would have seen is New Zealand and Australia would have, or New Zealand couldn't be any higher. I think it was number, two, number one at the top. But uh, Australia was actually higher as well. And the reason for that is because we didn't have the lockdowns that Europe and America and everybody else did. We are now having them, which is actually means that we're actually going down a little bit in the, uh, the world ratings. Not that we're going down, but other countries are moving up. And we've got this global phenomenon of resetting um, property pricing. And you, you have to be part of that. You cannot ignore this. And the longer you do ignore it, the, uh, the further behind you're going to get. And if you continue to, uh, to invest in property without a, a plan and a process to follow, you are going to make mistakes and mistakes are costly. And you cannot afford in a market like this to be making mistakes, which is why I want you to get on one of those um, those breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. They're free. They're 60 minutes long. I love real estate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. So to end off this week's report, I've got a little bit of a, a quote here. It's really about confidence. When you doubt your power, you give power to your doubt. And education and inspiration imbues confidence. So it's all about confidence. And the more you know, the more you experience, the more you see, the more you see what other people are doing, the more you, uh, you, you immerse yourself in a, in a like-minded community of achievers, the better results you're going to get. So don't forget to book one of those 60-minute sessions. They are free. Tell your friends and family about it. If my students are listening to this, which you all should be because I do this for you as well, uh, get your family and friends to have one of those uh, breakthrough sessions. It will really help you. It'll help you understand where you're at, where you want to go, what you want to achieve, and then what that gap is. What do you have to do? Where's the plan? Where's the process? Where's the support to get you there? And, you know, all you've got to do is go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash, and we can, one of my advisors will be waiting there to, um, to help you out with that. So that's it for me this week. That is the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. It'll all be going into a report for you shortly. And uh, I'll be back again to catch you real soon. Bye now.